0: Um, I have a question from Mario and he's asked me to read it. So let me read the question uh, for Mario, who's here. I've been following your work for some time mainly through listening to your talks on YouTube videos, and I have found that they help me and give me guidance. I also listen to other spiritual guides who tend to speak from the point of view of Eastern philosophies. They don't speak specifically about virtual reality, but they do talk about how we want to manipulate the world as a character in this reality, and how we want to get to happiness that way, but it doesn't work. While there doesn't seem to be any fundamental contradiction between your views and those of these other speakers, I do feel there's a difference in approach. They seem to be focused all the time on the point that this world is an illusion. We are mistakenly invested in this character. We are playing and we need to get beyond that by reaching the stillness within. And usually that means by meditating. On the other hand, you tend to be focused all the time on the idea of lowering our entropy on changing ourselves and becoming more caring there's more of a focus on the importance of our decisions and actions and their consequences i've discovered that neither of these are a walk in the park and also that these two points of view feel like they're at odds with each other at times on the one hand my actions are seen as fundamentally important and I somehow need to evolve into a more loving being and on the other hand, I need to let go of and detach from this investment in this character that I'm playing. Is it that we need to adopt both approaches at the same time? Could it be seen this way that your approach is more like the warrior path in which we struggle to change ourselves while the other approach is more like the path of acceptance which is uh, and developing a sense of detachment?
1: <laughs> well you uh you really need to do both but in different ways the thing you need to let go of you think you need to detach from is your ego and your beliefs and your fear so yes you do need to let go of that the thing you need to attach to and connect with is your love, is your caring, is the is answering the question, how can I help, what can I do? How can I be part of the solution rather than part of the problem? You want to connect to that. Your ability to learn and grow isn't based upon just having an experience. It's based upon your intent the intent that drives your actions, it's not even your actions, but the intent behind the action. You see, actions can portray our image, us being who we think we should be, or who we're trying to be. But our growth is has to do with us authentically being ourselves. It's us making choices. Those choices often are taking actions, but it's the intent behind that action that really matters. Are you intending to help, to care, to be part of the solution? And have you considered the consequences of an action that you take? And you always make your choice based on the lowest entropy choice that you can make. How do you do the most good for the most people for you know most of the time? So it's important that we engage here in this reality so that we can make those choices that help us grow up. Now, what does that have to do with, say, the path of surrender? Well, if all you do is just surrender and say, okay, there's a higher, there's something bigger and more important and higher than me, and I just surrender, and that's it. If you don't continue to work on making low entropy choices, then you're not gonna grow up much. You'll surrender and just stay right the way you are. And 10 years later, you'll still be the same person. You wouldn't have grown up much. You don't grow up by surrendering. You grow up by the choices that you make. Now, surrendering is a process really of surrendering from your ego, you know, surrendering, getting rid of, cutting loose your ego, your wants, your needs, your desires, your I, I, you know, I want this, I need this, I need other things, I need to be treated this way. It's all the I, I, I that you're surrendering from. That's what you're letting go. So you see, there's really no conflict between the two from my viewpoint, you know, the, the, the path of, of surrendering is a path where you surrender to the higher source. And that means letting go of your fear and your ego, instead of you going through life saying, Well, what do I want? And how do I get my needs met? You let that go and say, Well, I'm going to try to be I'm, I'm surrendering to, to love to caring. I'm just going to love I'm just going to care. And I, I no longer, I'm going to throw away my needs and wants. And see, so that's kind of the path of surrender. But you have to do the surrendering and you have to do the caring. And you have to do the loving. You have to go out and interact in the world to do that. If all you're going to do is say, I surrender. And in my mind, I'm caring and loving. I'm done. All right. Now you're enlightened, I guess. But not really. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're only enlightened in your own mind, you know, and you're not really enlightened uh, in any meaningful way. You just perhaps think you are. So that's the thing. Either path, you have to become a being of love. That's your point. And there's just multiple paths in which you can do that. So surrendering is one path, but you have to become Love. It's just surrendering. And that's all is not much. You have to go interact. How do you become love? You know, when you don't interact with anybody when the world is all superfluous and meaningless. So you go, like some Eastern people do go live in a cave, you become a hermit, you go someplace and you live in a you live in your cave and you never talk to anybody. You just stay in your cave. Well, how much you know, stuff happens and you have to deal with it? Well, in, in, in the East, you'll be a holy man and people will leave food outside the front of your cave for you because that's part of the way that they evolve in their minds is that they give holy people sustenance so they can spend all their time being, healed, being holy. So you'll have food to eat and that'll be no effort for you. You uh, can keep your cave clean. And you can meditate. And in some ways, you may even develop yourself spiritually, but you're extremely limited in the choices you can make your your decision space has just been reduced to what you can do in a cave all day. And that isn't very challenging. And you may convince yourself that you have evolved a lot, but maybe not so much as you think so in my viewpoint where the rubber meets the road is us embracing life embracing other people dealing with the stuff that happens and dealing with it in a positive way that's it and that's true i think whether you you know uh, are on the path of surrender the path of service or on the warrior's path any of those paths are supposed to take you to becoming love. Well, you're not going to get there without making a lot of choices along the way, without having a lot, of, you know, a lot of missteps, a lot of mistakes, a lot of pain along the way. Growing up is not a simple process. If you could just sit in a cave for 10 years and suddenly be grown up, there'd be a whole lot more grown up people in the world. Instead of going to school, we'd all just, you know, we after became a certain age, we all just go sit in a cave for 10 years and we come out, we'd be nearly perfect people. It doesn't work like that. And if it all happens inside your head, but none of it is actually translated to your interactions with others, then, you know, the learning is much more difficult because you don't have much feedback. So I don't really so much see a conflict. I guess the approaches are different. And if you were on an Eastern, an Eastern philosophy that that said the world is, is an illusion. Okay, that's fine. It's virtual. But therefore that because it's an illusion, it's more or less meaningless. We should get rid of it and just grow spiritually. Then I think that's a very big mistake to go that way. I think that uh, makes it harder for you to evolve, not easier. No doubt it could mean that there's going to be less pain in your life. But there's also going to be less joy in your life There's going to be less everything in your life because there's just not a lot going on in a cave, or maybe even in a monastery. You know, it's a limited set of things to you to interact with. So my philosophy is embrace experience, connect, make your choices and learn from how those choices come out. If you feel if you don't feel like your life is full of joy and peace and happiness, tranquility and satisfaction, then you're not making good enough choices. Do better. So that's. Uh, I don't know what I can say too much else about that. Uh, You can, you can evolve in a, a, you know, in a, uh, in a monastery, I'm not saying you can't evolve in a monastery, of course you can. But monasteries are full of jobs, somebody has to work in the kitchen, somebody peels the potatoes, you know, somebody empties the latrine, somebody's, you know, they have work to do all the time, and they interact with each other all the time but that's still a reduced set of interactions but through those interactions you can learn in that kind of a protected environment where you don't have to worry too much <clears throat> about you know getting on the getting on the treadmill and spending most of your awake time trying to feed yourself and pay the rent so there's advantages to each of the paths, and depending on your personality and the way you approach things, one of those paths may work better for you than others. But actually, a good and efficient path takes, takes pieces of all three. You, know, you do all three. Surrendering and, and realizing that there is something higher than, than you, something bigger, something more fundamental than your body That's an important step to take. Being kind to people, offering services, that's an important step to take. And discovering what your fear is and getting rid of it, that's also an important step to take. So those that's all three paths. We don't really just pick one. We need to integrate all three into whatever it is we're doing at the time.
0: All right. Thank you. I hope that answered your question. Mario, Tom, I'm going to slide over to an MBT forum question. One of them that you have answered on a previous uh, MBT fireside chat addendum, but I wonder if you could do a little bit of a recap. This is another uh, different source for this. And the question is, you once said that sadness is a part of love. Can you discuss that more? Sure. Sure.
1: When you are, when you have gotten rid of your fear to a large degree, and that means you have a few things that you believe and small ego, um, mostly you're a very happy person. You tend to be cheerful and happy and peaceful. Everything is generally good. But sometimes, you will find that there are people who you love. And the more you the more you grow, the more people there are that you love to the point that eventually almost everybody fits into that category. But there are people that you care about and you love and you see these people hurting themselves, you see them making poor choices, you see them causing themselves pain, causing themselves illness. And because you care for them, It's sad to watch them self-destruct, to watch them create these problems, to watch them build barriers in front of themselves to cause themselves heartache. But that's their life. That's their path. And you can't jump into everybody's life and path and try to fix it. They have to fix it themselves only they'll only grow from the experience if they fix it themselves they'll only try to fix it when the pain gets you know gets bad enough where they decide that they can't just keep going on the way they're going on because it isn't working now maybe they'll think of some other way discover why and how they're their own worst enemy creating much of the dysfunction much of the problems. Well, that's sad. So love can have this this sad feeling when you look at people and the people you love and say, boy, that really is dysfunctional. I really am so sad that that they can't be happy, that they won't let themselves be happy, that they keep doing things to make themselves unhappy. But that's where they are. That's the path they're on. They're doing the best they can with it. They're making the best choices they know how to make. They'll just have to deal with it. And that's sad. That's not a happy thought. But then you don't wallow in that sadness. You say, well, yeah, that's true, but they are doing the best they can with what they've got. And with that, you smile again, because, you know, there's just, that's life. It's the way it is. It's not your job to fix everybody and everything. You have to let people fix themselves. So you can just let them be and try to be helpful in the sense that every once in a while, you know, break break up their argument or their you know, them pounding themselves on the thumb with a hammer or whatever else they're doing to make themselves miserable and just give them a hug and tell them you love them and then let them be. Let them go back to pounding their thumb with that hammer. But uh, give them some positive input, because positiveness helps everybody. So that's my point on that love can be said, but it shouldn't make you angry. You see people. Here's the problem with this. If you look out in the world and you say, Wow, look at all this dysfunction, look at all those dysfunctional people doing all those dysfunctional things. That makes me mad. Why are they like that? Come on, people grow up, get a life Make choices that are about somebody other than yourself. You know, what's the matter with you? When you get angry because people are dysfunctional, now you have become dysfunctional yourself. You have become part of the problem. You're not just part of the solution. You're part of the problem. You've added to the dysfunction going on in the world. So that, you know, that I have to differentiate from sadness. That's anger. That's negativity. When you look at dysfunction and get upset, get angry, get annoyed, get irritated, get frustrated, that's your own dysfunction. That's your own ego and fear and beliefs, and you need to let that go. You just need to look at that dysfunctionality and accept that it is what it is, people doing the best they can with what they've got, and they need to grow up. And how can I help them grow up? Well, shaking my fist at them and calling them stupid is not going to help them grow up. What that'll do is make them go back into their, their position even harder. They just dig up a little deeper hole. So getting angry, getting upset, being annoyed is not part of the solution. It's part of the problem. So sadness, yes. Anything negative, no. Sadness is not negative. Sadness just is sad. But it doesn't last long. Wallowing in sadness. Oh, no, the world's such an awful place. Oh, no, the world's so awful. You know, that's not helpful either. You can be sad and then you get over it and you let it be. It's still sad, but you let it be and you're still happy because, you know, it just is.
0: Tom, there, there is a lot of sadness out there in the way people are reacting to things these days. Um, is it always that they're doing the best they can or is it simply the more comfortable choice, the more familiar choice? It's hard to imagine uh, some of the choices and and actions out there, but is it something that is... It's a little more understandable if you think of it in terms of it's familiar.
1: Yeah. Well, Donna, I think you're having trouble with the, that's the best they can.
0: Come
1: on, <laughs> they can be better than I didn't that.
0: quite put it that way. <laughs> well,
1: they can be better than but, that. Uh, yeah, they're top, they're I, I'm top.
0: thinking of more of, yeah. of, a, of a being level sort of, that's more comfortable, that's yeah. easier, and that's more familiar. Well,
1: kind of yeah, thing. well, that's, that's the best they can. They need that comfort. The discomfort is something because of their fear. They hit that discomfort and they go the other way. They can't go there. So, yes, they're doing the things that what's simplest for them, what makes them feel better. You know, if it if it feels good, then do it sort of a thing. Well, often what feels good is to stick your head in the sand and pretend that nothing horrible is going on. Oh, I feel so much better now with my head in the sand, you see. But uh, so people do a lot of things that are dysfunctional because it feels better for them and things that are comfortable and familiar and easy, of course, feel better. Well, that's not helpful, but that is the best they can. You know, somebody that just can't deal. The the only thing they can do is stick that head down in the sand and, and pretend that, you know, the world isn't the way it is.
0: Well, when I say comfortable, I I mean what they grew up with, what they experienced. Uh, A figure that is is not ideal is something that they can identify, and that seems to be safer than something else or anything else.
1: Yeah, but they've got that background. They've got that thing they grew up with. They've got that in there, okay? And that seems safe and good and fine, but... That's because they can't go beyond that. They're stuck with that. That's the best they can. You know, so let's say they grow up uh, and they're racist because they grew up in a racist family that lived in a racist neighborhood and racism has always been in their their life. So they grow up racist and that seems to them the right way to be. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's logical, you know, in their own mind, they can they can argue that, uh, you know, that what white supremacy, say, is a absolutely rational thing. You know, everybody who was thinking and had a brain would be, a, you know, would become a white supremacist. That's the way they feel. And anything else, they can't go there because of their beliefs, because of their fear. Yeah, beliefs. That's part of it. You pick up beliefs as you go. So they're stuck. But, you know, there they are doing the best they can with what they've got. What they've got is what they've come in with, the quality of consciousness they come in with, which of course we know in our reality is not all that high, on top of all the things they learn, all the beliefs they pick up while they're here, you know, that they pick up out of their environment. That's what, you know, that's what they've got. And most people are doing the best they can with what they've got. Most people, if you take them out of the situation that, you know, that, that, triggers them takes them out of where their buttons are pushed they can be nice people thoughtful people caring people it's not that these that all these people are just evil to the core we like to think of them that way they're not often they're they're very caring people in their own space in their own way but they've got limits they've got severe limitations beliefs yes you know racism's a belief you get indoctrinated. So they've got that belief. And they have to take the effort to outgrow that. And that means they have to push themselves into space that's not comfortable. They have to go outside of what their norm is. And or you, a person that has a low quality of consciousness, that may just be too hard to do. So that's what I mean when I say they're doing the best they can with what they've got what they came in with and what they've picked up since they've been here. Now they are living within those very unfortunate restraints on their mind, on their possibilities, on their decision space. Their decision space is small. They don't have a lot of choices.
0: Well, reaching out to others is not in the, in the wheelhouse the way they Uh, call that they call it a wheelhouse it's not reaching reaching out to others recognizing others all of the people on this planet have a a right to be here a right to be treated equally a right to be um respected uh, and 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 have things that are basic necessities that has not been in that that belief
1: donna that defines a much larger decision space they would they would probably agree with that as long as you left out these people and these people and those people yeah get rid of those people and they'd agree with you sure i feel just like you but not not for these people because i've got because i understand better than you do you see it's just their limitations so it's it's the way they are okay? you take a, a basic low quality of consciousness and give them a an indoctrination, you know, a little brainwashing through their culture. And you've got a small decision space, places they just can't go. And in their mind, if they went those places, it would be wrong. It would be foolish. So people are doing pretty much the best they can with what they've got. And if you look at people that way, then instead of getting angry, you find you find that you have some sympathy. You have some compassion for them. They're struggling. They're unhappy. They're angry. They're upset. They have lots and lots of stress. You know, they're they're not happy people. They fight and argue and complain a lot. And you can have some compassion for them being so miserable.
0: I think if we all adopted that uh, look of, you know, we, we don't always see things the same way. We have different experiences. If we offer compassion, if enough people can do that, I think that has a positive effect. And, and as you say, evolution towards lowering entropy and towards becoming love mm-hmm. takes a while, but I, I do think that's possible. But... um Conflict and division is is certainly not the
1: way to go. Right. So now I'm not, uh, MBT does not come from, you know, a pacifist viewpoint. There are times to draw the line in the sand and, and, uh, you know, stand up. It's not, uh, you don't always turn the other cheek. Most of the time, turning the other (laughs) cheek is probably a good strategy, but some of the time it's not. You have to push back. But within that, you have to understand that most people are doing the best they can with what they've got. What they've got is, in terms of their ego, they've got that ego, their beliefs, they've got those beliefs, and their quality of consciousness they started with, they've got that. And within those parameters, they're trying, but those parameters are just extremely limiting, And you're not aware of the choices you're not aware of, you're not aware of ideas or bigger thoughts. Uh, So, yes, that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And unfortunately, when we push these people, we don't have compassion. And when we push these people and call them stupid and and relegate them, you you know, here, you guys all have to live in the basement because you're not nice. You know, well, what that does is hardens their attitudes it makes them even more that way. It makes them more belligerent and more violent. It generally isn't helpful. You see, so you don't, you know, they say, well, you fight fire with fire. But generally, if you fight something with fire, you're going to burn it, you're going to set it on fire. Now you got two fires raging. The more things you try to fight with fire that are flammable, the bigger the fire gets. So sometimes you just need to find a way to take the pressure off and diffuse it for a while and let the education come at a, at a, a more subtle process. So that generation after generation, you know, you, you get rid of a lot of beliefs, but it takes a while trying to ram it down somebody's throat generally makes them worse. But yes, obviously, it has to change. You can't just say, well, that's the way people are. We just have to live with it. No, we should work on changing that, but we need to work on changing it intelligently. Trying to slam ideas down people's throats is not an intelligent way to go about it. All you do is create a more angry enemy. You're much better off to say, well, how can we really make changes here? You know, not just make ourselves feel better that we're changing things by controlling behavior with force and power, but rather we're changing things at a very fundamental level. Well, you you work differently with that, you have to work with a, with a lighter touch. To do that, you have to start with young people. You, know, it's, you have to get rid of the causes of some of that anger. You, know, you just have to be smart. Sure focus on changing nasty beliefs, dysfunctional attitudes. We need to change that. But just let's be smart so that we really are changing it. We're not just sweeping it under the rug and creating something uglier that's just out of sight when 10 years later, it's just going to erupt and boil right back out again and everybody will be surprised. Oh, I thought we got rid of that. No, we just swept it under the rug. We just made people who felt like that keep their mouth shut. We didn't actually get rid of it, so we maybe will be smarter about it, you know, next time. But actually, working at a a way that will get rid of
0: it—that's a very good point, Tom. Uh, A lot of things have been below the surface, and a lot of things Mm -hmm. have come out because of the difficulties of this whole year. So hopefully it won't be too much of a giant step to, you know, recognize a, another human being's uh, rights and and doing that by not just um, by doing it with example and by uh, showing that that's uh, just a better way to get along. Mm-hmm. Well, I will go on to another MBT question uh, from the forum. And um, this is from Sandy. And it is on psychopaths. Um, What is the purpose of psychopaths? I've had to deal with these low-quality-of-consciousness individuals all my life. The closest analogy I can make is that they are like black holes of self-interest. They will suck every last bit of love, time, money, resources, and energy out of a person. I've seen enough of them. This is a person, I guess, that works in in this field, in consciousness and in psychiatry. I've seen enough of them to realize that they seem to enjoy the destruction of good people with empathy. In many cases, such as torture, they seem to get a boost of energy from their destructive practices. My research has indicated that about 6% of the human population are primary psychopaths, with a larger percentage of the population being infected by their presence. They know they're different and recognize each other in network. You can watch them recognize a fellow path as they react like they've met an old friend. The only thing they seem to respect is a bigger psychopath, which it seems is counterproductive to developing a higher quality of consciousness. What role do these human avatar black holes play in the scheme of things?
1: Well, the role they are playing is themselves. They are individuated units of consciousness. They are here. They have a very low quality of consciousness, but the system does not delete them because of that. The system is going to let them continue to dig themselves in as deep a hole as they like, with the hope that one day they will see that that is not functional. Now, within a given lifetime, that's probably not going to help. But from lifetime to lifetime, these people who are very miserable and unhappy, no matter how they might smile and feel like, oh, I feel great because I just conquered another, you know, another slug. You know, I, I'm I'm on top of the heap. So they may grin and let you think that they are actually feeling very positive because they are so negative. But that isn't the case. Inside, they are unhappy, miserable people. And they have dedicated themselves to control power and force. That's the only thing that matters. So they are that way, because they have made a lot of poor choices they're continuing to make poor choices. And each time before they reincarnate, they have a a little session with, you know, their evolution and how they've been doing. And at that point, they're open to change, because they're not in that mindset. Okay, they're they're in their iuoc mindset. And They just have a hard time. When you come in with that lower quality of consciousness, that's a deep hole to crawl out of. So it's difficult. Now, often they do eventually crawl out of that hole. That's why the system just doesn't delete them because there's still hope that they can turn around and evolve. What happens is the system will give them progressively easier situations to be in you know where the choices aren't so difficult and where it's easier to make good choices try to find some place where they can succeed if that doesn't work that generally does work you know typically that'll work if that doesn't work then they can they will have to incarnate in something that has a smaller decision space in it you know they may not be fit for human Avatars. They may be fit for wolf avatars or, you know, some other, you know, badger avatars or some other sort of thing. Maybe more their style. They may, uh, you know, progress to that point. But as long as it's still hopeful and it's still a, a fair probability that they will eventually turn around, then they're still kept in the system and they keep incarnating back in a human avatar so you know their role is just the role of themselves these are people who are failing the evolution process here and this system will work with them i guess as in a human role until the system gives up and or it just doesn't work and then they'll work with them in the in the badger role <laughs> You know, and if that doesn't work, you know, they'll work with them, you know, in the bumblebee role. You know, I don't know. You know, it'll put them in a role. And I guess if there's absolutely no redemption, they'll be deleted because they won't actually have any probability of turning around and evolving. So in that case, the system would probably just delete them. But they're a long way from deletion when they're dysfunctional here as human beings. The system doesn't like to just delete some I U O C because it's not working out. That's the whole point here is to evolve, to grow, to become. Wherever you are, you need to be able to move forward positively in that direction of of, uh, evolution. So deletion probably maybe never happens or almost never happens. It's very difficult to get to have your potential go that low. You know, as long as you as a as an IUOC has potential to grow up, then the system's gonna to continue to work with you.
0: Have you ever noticed have you ever witnessed, because you've witnessed a lot in the consciousness realm, have you ever witnessed anyone that was deleted or had to be oh yeah, disassembled? Well,
1: <laughs> I've noticed some people who were deleted, but not in the way that we're just talking about it. These were rule breakers who basically kept breaking rules and didn't seem to be able to not break rules and the powers that were way above my pay grade just made them disappear. You know, I guess in in uh, mafia talk, you know, they got disappeared. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they were deleted. They may have just gone someplace else. That was more, uh, you know, where they had a higher probability of turning around. So they may have just been banned from those reality frames. So, yes, from my viewpoint, they were disappeared. But my thought is they probably weren't deleted. They were probably just put in some other space where that was more appropriate, more appropriate for them and the level of consciousness that they that they were. So I've seen people disappear and never come back. But I don't think that's the same as being deleted. Just go someplace else. Like go from from having a human avatar to having a badger avatar, you know, maybe that's that's it so they disappear now from the you know from the from the human from those playing humans but it doesn't mean they're deleted
0: it's really interesting i'm going to go next to a question from eric and that is um the first one is many spiritual teachers talk about their own process of spiritual evolution in terms of one specific moment in their lives in which a spiritual awakening occurred Or sometimes they refer to it as the moment they became enlightened. Often they describe it as a specific moment in which a more or less permanent shift in their perspective or identity occurred, where they regained or remembered their identity as consciousness and no longer were lost in the trance or dream state of being identified with a seemingly separate human vehicle. I was just curious about your own process in this lifetime. Was there a point in your life where you were fully lost in the dream state of being identified with a separate physical human avatar called Tom? And was there one specific moment where your perspective shifted to knowing and seeing yourself, the world and others, from the perspective of unity consciousness, so to speak? Was it a sudden or a gradual shift?
1: No, it was nothing sudden. Um. You know I have a little bit of of uh, trouble with the word um, um, <laughs> with the word I can't remember that's why I have trouble with it um, with the word enlightened i have a little trouble with that you know what does enlightened mean this is a growing up evolution is a process a process to which you don't get to the end of it you are evolving the quality of your consciousness. You know, things don't evolve and then say, Okay, I'm done evolving. Evolution is an endless process. As long as there are new states to evolve into, then one keeps learning, one keeps growing, one keeps evolving. And in, in a, in a model like mine, where Go, becoming love and growing up and evolving is lowering entropy. You never get to the point where you say, ah, my entropy is zero, and it's going to stay zero forever. I'm done. I'm enlightened now. That doesn't happen. You'll never get to entropy equals zero. You can approach it, but you never get there. And the minute you stop working on growing up, you start to de-evolve because to get rid of entropy takes effort you have to input energy just to stay the same. <laughs> you have to input even more energy to grow past staying the same. So I don't see that anybody will ever get to a point where they're done and where they are enlightened. Enlightened sounds like a name for an end state where you just got the that and now you don't change anymore because you're already there. I would say that does not exist Well, at least in my model, it does not exist. My own experience was one of uh, becoming, understanding, growing up, you know, getting rid of fear, getting rid of beliefs. And it's been a long process. It's a lifetime process and I, don't have any, um, any thoughts at all that I'm done. You know, I'm st- you know, I still have things to learn. And I don't think anybody is really done. When you are a, a beginner in the process, it's all about you. And you tend to l- spend all of your time focusing on your fear, your ego your beliefs and getting rid of those things. but it's still mostly about you. Okay How do I how do I get better? How do I fix myself? How do I get rid of my fear? What are my fears? Oh, I just got upset about that. Must have a fear. must be my ego. It's mostly very self-referential. until you get to the point that you're past most of that. You've gotten rid of most of the fear. Well, then it's not just about you so much. As you get rid of more and more of that fear, it's about others more. How can I help? How can I help other people get rid of their fear? So let's say that you got rid of all your fear. You didn't have any fear. You didn't have any ego, and you didn't have any beliefs. What would you do then? You'd be helpful. You'd ask, how can I help? How can I give back? how can I be part of the solution for other people? You're not going to say I'm done because that means it's still all about you. So I think that there's this, maybe this transition point where people get to the point that it's not necessarily all about them anymore. Their fear, their ego, and their beliefs. They see that they're in a bigger space. They know they're living um, kind of beyond the, the typical fear and ego and belief that most people have. And I think when they get to that end of that very first stage, which is being getting rid of a substantial amount of your fear, they might feel that they're enlightened, but really they're just getting toward the end of stage one. At that point, they ought to be thinking about how can I help? What can I give to the system? Not, Oh, I'm out of this cycle of, you know, of pain and misery. I'm never coming back here. It's, it's I want to come back here because here has a lot of people in need that I can help because I have a greater understanding. So when you finally get to that understanding where you realize that you are a part of the one whole, and you see yourself that way and your ego and your beliefs and fear are not getting in the way rather than calling that enlightenment, I'd say you've just gotten to the end of stage one. Now you need to start focusing on giving back, being helpful and maintaining your low ego and low beliefs, because if you don't keep working on your own, if you don't keep giving and embracing life and people, that fear is just going to start to grow. That ego is just going to start to grow because that's the nature of entropy. If you don't put any energy in entropy increases all by itself, you will start to de evolve. There is no done space. You are only as good as your choices show. You are if you stop making choices, you say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to find a nice puffy cloud, sit on it, and play my harp for eternity. Well, if you stop making choices, you'll start to de-evolve. It's that constant having to deal with what happens and make good choices that keeps you evolving. So it's like there's no, there's no way to stay still. You either continue to evolve or you backslide. Staying still someplace is not stable. It's very difficult to just stay still for a long period of time. Eventually, as time goes by, you'll start slipping one way or the other. You'll either start growing more or you'll start de-evolving. So just staying the same is not a stable space.
0: Now, you mentioned that you came to an understanding. And are you saying that there wasn't – this is – Collective information. There wasn't just one right piece of information that brought you to that understanding. It was everything. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it was some of the whole. Yeah, growth is a is a cumulative process. So it's, you know, you are the sum of all the choices that you've ever made. That's who you are right now, and that's the same with everybody. Everybody, no matter where they are on this evolutionary scale are the sum of all the choices that they've made. That's what's brought you to be here. And that's choices you made as a human and choices you made in between human lives. All the choices you've made is what's led you to be where you are. So, uh, so all of that, all of those choices are part of your growth. So it's the sum total of all the growth. I did not get to a point that I was tied up in fear and tied up in ego. And one day I went, aha. And then from that point on, you know, I was above it all. You know, it doesn't work like that. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's something that actually happens very often. Now, I think that happens a lot in people's intellects. I think as people grow up, and get bigger and bigger understandings intellectually, they can have aha moments at the intellectual space and then see it all and understand it all. Ah, And now they kind of float above the masses because they've got it. But that's all in intellectual space. You see, intellectual space can take great leaps. (laughs) You can be ignorant of something and then, oh, You know, you read a book or talk to somebody or just have a brilliant idea and suddenly you got it. That's where great leaps come from is in intellectual space. So I can see that somebody who is uh, understanding the nature of reality intellectually, they've read all the books, they've done all the meditation, and they've got their intellect securely wrapped around the nature of reality and growing up and so on. And they get to a point that they see that the ego is just dysfunctional and a fear is dysfunctional. And they kind of let that go. Well, do they really let it go or they just push it out of sight to where they can't see it anymore? Are they really being kind or are they just acting kind because they know that acting kind is the right thing. That's the way they are now. They're kind now. So they will act that way. You see, So this difference between the being and acting, being intellectual understanding versus being level understanding, I think that's what's created a lot of this confusion, Uh, because the intellect does take great leaps forward. The being level, oh, sometimes some things will fall together and you'll get an aha moment at the being level, but I don't think your 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 quality of consciousness. Uh, is that I think your quality of consciousness is generally a slow, steady process. Now, you may plateau for a while and then suddenly learn something and plateau for a while and suddenly learn something. Of course, that can happen. Learning's like that. But the big transition is uh, more likely to be an intellectual transition, one of knowing rather than one of being. And if it's one of knowing, you uh, aren't necessarily as grown up as you think, because growth, real growth has to happen at the being level.
0: Okay, Tom, Uh, one other part of the question is, um, these spiritual awakenings, uh, some people experience dramatic changes in their dietary requirements and preferences. For example, all of a sudden they don't require nearly as much food as they used to. All of a sudden they develop a distaste for certain foods that they used to love and a taste for foods that they normally wouldn't like. Why do you think this happens? What what could be the mechanism here?
1: Well, that's hard to say. You know, there's a lot of unusual things that happen. And there's a lot of unusual people. Uh, It's probably not my place to really explain that sort of thing. I think those things do happen. I'm not saying that that's, you know, a scam or something. Absolutely not. Things do happen that way. People do change and understand. And when they do, often things in their life change. That's, you know, that's that happens. Okay. So I don't, I don't doubt that those things happen and I don't doubt that they are uh, real and genuine. But I don't know that they are particularly connected to lowering entropy or to evolving the quality of their consciousness. They probably have more to do with reordering their own sense of what's important and what's not reordering their own sense of what's, what's good and effective and what's not, you know, you grow up and get a certain level of understanding and you realize that, well, all the stuff I used to do in love is superfluous. There's, there's no, you know, there's really little profit in any of that. So I should just cut that out or it doesn't seem right to me anymore. It doesn't seem like I should do that. My intuition has just gotten better my intuition says I don't want to eat those things anymore. They're probably not good for me. So now I've grown up, I listened to my intuition. Before I grew up, I didn't listen to my intuition so much, you see. So it's just part of growing up that you change. And the fact that people do that and they have changes, fine. But don't, in my mind, don't equate those changes with a magical place called enlightenment that signals that now You're all grown up, and you've reached the the peak of possibilities. My idea is that the possibilities just keep going. There is no peak.
0: Well, now that you've said that, um, when we were in Poland, you were asked this question about enlightenment. Now, we did an excerpt because of so much interest in it. And on your channel, Tom Campbell, it's called Enlightenment is there an end game that excerpt so if you're interested more in that subject you gave a good answer there in poland
1: tom campbell here in mbt events hope you like this video we now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly ad-free youtube channel Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing, and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software, to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can, It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.